guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Come on, come on, come on, Big Church. How y'all doing this morning? Man, come on, give him some praise. Ain't he worthy? Y'all go ahead and be seated. Y'all go ahead and be seated. Shout out to the worship team. I see y'all. Man. We have a good looking church. Look at y'all. I might be a little biased, but that's just my opinion. Let's go ahead and address the elephant that's in the room. Pastor Rich and Pastor Mindy are not here today. And it's okay. We, we planned that out. No, they, they are on a very well-deserved, a much-needed vacation, and we are just praying that they are being refilled and refreshed and that they are ready to come back and plug right back into what we're doing. Amen? Amen. But in the meantime, I do believe I have a word for us this morning. I, uh, I'm going to be speaking out of John chapter 11, and I have a really quick question who has never heard me preach before? You are looking at me, looking at you, thinking, who is this Pastor Rich look like on stage right now? <laughs> That's okay. No, uh, hi, my name's Trey, and uh, I'm super excited to jump into this story. John chapter 11, it is um, one of my favorite stories. It's hard to say it's my favorite because any Bible story that you compare to what Jesus did on the cross, it, it loses automatically, right? but this is definitely on the top of the list. There is so much packed in. Have you ever heard the phrase, get off the milk and on the meat? There is a lot in here. Oh, we got some steaks. We got some burgers. We got some chicken wings. Let me stop, because I'm getting a little hungry. But let's go ahead and get started. Are y'all ready? Look to your neighbor, say, I'm ready. All right, now look to the neighbor you just ignored a little bit. Say, I'm ready. All right, now, all right. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for every person in here. God, I thank you that they are not here by accident. So Lord, I just pray that you would use me as a vessel to speak to your people. God, I pray that it's not my own agenda, but that it's your will. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. I love the mystery of this moment. Because you are sitting in your seat thinking, what is he gonna talk about? <laughs> and I'm up here thinking, I wonder who this is for. So really what my prayer is, is that it would feel like everyone leaves the room and that it's just you and me and we get to have a conversation. And that you would get what you came to get and that you would receive what you came to receive. How's that sound? Let's get it. John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. I want to stop right there because... As a reader, that really stands out to me because I do not recall a lot of people approaching Jesus saying, hey, he whom you love is deaf 
or she whom you love is blind, or this person that you love is in need of healing. No, they would simply just walk up to Jesus and say, hey, this person's ears are not working, this person's feet is out of alignment and it's causing back problems, and Jesus would just heal them right then and right there. But for some reason, Mary and Martha say, hey, the one that you love is sick. And I wanna give you some context to help you understand what's going on. And we need to know that this is not Jesus's first time meeting Lazarus. In fact, the first time that Jesus met Lazarus, he had a different name. He used to go by Simon Lazarus, the leper. The story just alluded to it. When Mary wiped Jesus's feet after she poured the perfume on him, that took place in Simon's house. And so one day Jesus approaches this group of lepers and he heals all of them and he says, hey, go before the priest and present yourself, show him that you're clean. And they all do it. They all sort of take their miracle and just walk away and don't have a second thought for Jesus, except for one person, and that was Lazarus. And really what Lazarus wanted to express was that, hey, there's no way you just healed me from this disease and I can't do anything for you. Like, can I carry your bags? Can I wash your clothes? Can I get your food? What can I do for you? Which is obviously a question that has no answer because it's not about the things that we do for God that gets us the promise that he has for us. And that's not really what I wanna talk about today, but the character of Lazarus was shown and Jesus was like, hey, this guy's all right. And in fact, when he would travel to Bethany or near Bethany, he would stay with Lazarus. And I don't know this to be true, so take it with a grain of salt, but I believe this is how he met Mary and this is how he met Martha. And they begin to build and establish a friendship. So I wanna read this scripture to you a little bit differently. Verse three, therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, your friend is sick. Right, this, this isn't some bum on the street, this is your boy, this is your guy. In verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not into death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All right, real quick, everyone take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. <sighs> Jesus just said it's gonna be okay. We can all relax, we don't have to worry. Verse five says this, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people have questions about that because Jesus, if this is your boy, why would you not go immediately? And I don't wanna skip that, but I don't wanna get too far ahead, so we're gonna come back to that. And then after he said to the disciples, church, this is where it gets good. If someone told you the Bible was boring, they probably weren't reading it right. Because we are getting ready to look at a honest and pure interaction between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus says, let us go to Judea again. Verse eight, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you're gonna go there again? Right, it's, it's check this out. Let's say me and Elijah, we go to Tennessee for some reason. He takes me to Tennessee and we're leaving, we're coming back. But as we're coming back, people in Tennessee wanted to kill us. They were like shooting at us. And we get back to Tennessee or we get back to Kentucky safely. And then a couple weeks later, Elijah's like, hey, Trey, we gotta go back to Tennessee. What? 
excuse me, sir, let's, let's talk. Did you not remember they tried to kill us last time we were there? So the disciples are kind of confused, right? And I love Jesus for this because he has this way of talking to you without talking to you. He would often speak in parables. And if you don't know what a parable is, that's okay. That's why I'm here. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And something about Jesus is he is known as one of the, not one of the, the greatest communicators to ever walk this earth. Actually, real quick, I wanna try to do my best to give you what a sermon from Jesus would sound like. How's that sound? All right, let's get it. Come on, we can have some fun in church, right? All right now. So imagine, you know, Jesus walks on. Good morning. I don't know what he would say, right? But he starts like this. One day, a bird is flying south for winter. But he left too late, and he got stuck in a snowstorm. And the snow begins to stick to the bird's wings, and he falls to the ground, and he's stuck in the ice. All of a sudden, the bird is crying, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to die in the ice. And the next thing the bird sees is a cow walking right over top of the bird. And he begins to make a deposit onto the bird's life. The bird is screaming, no, 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 I don't wanna die in the ice and I don't wanna smell like manure right now. But all of a sudden, the bird starts to realize that the warmth from the manure is melting the ice. And the bird is flapping its wing, it's getting free, and he's getting excited, so the bird starts to chirp, 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 chirpity, chirp, chirp, chirp. But then a cat that is walking by is drawn by the chirping. And so the cat walks over to where the bird is and begins to dig the bird out and eat it. All right, it's been an honor. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> what? Like that is how Jesus would talk. And if you want to know the meaning to that parable, come find me after. I don't want to spend too much time on that. But so the disciples are asking, Jesus, why do you want us to go to the place where we almost got killed? And Jesus, he says this, verse 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Real quick, real quick, by a show of hands, who knows what Jesus is talking about? Okay, okay, and if your hand is not up, don't feel like you're less of a Christian. Don't feel like you're not as saved as someone else. You are in the same boat as the disciples. And I don't wanna get up on this stage and say that I have all understanding or that I know everything in the Bible because trust me, I don't. I'm on the same walk as you, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but when I read that, I get Jesus is saying, I understand you may not want to go to that place. I understand you may not want to talk to that person. I understand you may not want to do that thing, but I need you to. Why? Because there's purpose in it. And so these things he says, and after he says to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was talking about actual sleep. 
Then Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Like, I just kind of see Jesus just kind of scratching his head because he can't get mad at the disciples. He handpicked every single person that he's with right now. But maybe he just gets a little sometimes, you know what I mean? So he says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe nevertheless. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, says to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas comes in a little aggressive for me, but really what he's trying to do is, is talk to the disciples that don't understand what Jesus is saying and pretty much just saying, hey, let's follow him. I don't know what he's talking about, but let's go with him. So let's, let's recap for a little bit. Mary and Martha go to Jesus. They say, hey, your boy is sick. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. And sure enough, what Jesus said would happen did not happen. I would imagine Mary and Martha maybe even got home and said, hey, Lazarus, you, you don't need to worry. Jesus said you're gonna be all right. And they wake up the next day and Lazarus is dead. And so I have a question that's going to require a little bit of honesty. It's gonna require us to kind of take off that mask that says I have everything together, that I'm the perfect Christian. But has it ever seemed like Jesus didn't do that Jesus thing he was supposed to do in your life? Can we be honest? And that is exactly what Mary and Martha are feeling right now. Whether it be a financial situation, whether it be a medical report, whether it be a family member going through something or a friend going through something, that is exactly what Mary and Martha are feeling right now. And so I would imagine that the household is filled with some confusion. I would imagine that the household is filled with some sadness and some sorrow, maybe even some fear. And this is the atmosphere that Jesus is getting ready to walk into. And so verse 17, we pick up. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I am so team Martha right now because Martha, she, she doesn't understand what's going on, right? Her last conversation with Jesus was, hey, it's gonna be all right. And sure enough, it's not. But even though Martha is going through this experience, she is still choosing to trust in Jesus. And that is the factor that is being attacked right now. And I don't wanna say that Mary has lost all trust, but I think she's contemplating it. I think she's really thinking how invested does she want to be in this thing? How much does she really want to believe in Jesus? But Martha, even though she doesn't get it, she still runs to Jesus. And I think the reason the enemy wants to attack this trust factor is because if he can get you to not trust God, he won't care what you do. Because you will never 
align yourself with someone you don't trust. Oh, you will never do anything for someone that you don't trust. You would never live a life for someone that you don't trust. He likes to come in when these situations happen, and he likes to come in and say, hey, do you see how God didn't fix that situation? Do you see how, how God couldn't fix that situation? Look at how God forgot about you. Knowing daggone well, it's what he did in the garden that messed this whole thing up. You like that daggum? That's a Christian cuss word. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, my mom is from Texas. My dad's from Alabama, so I'm kind of fluent in some Southern grammar. <laughs> but really, I, I think what we need to realize is that we're living in a broken world. And it's easy to say that we're living in a broken world until your world gets broken. And it's not, it's going to be when Jesus comes back a second time and he pushes out this darkness for good, that we'll get to live in a heaven, in a new earth, and that we will be able to fellowship with God. But until that day comes, we're living in a broken world. And even though Martha's world just got broken, she is still choosing to trust in Jesus. And she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus says to her, your brother, will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I love, I love Martha because she don't even know what Jesus is going to do. She doesn't understand what happened. She doesn't understand what Jesus is going to do, even if he could do something. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, yes, I know in the resurrection at the last day. And what Jesus says to her, this is a boss answer right here. This is a top dog, I'm in charge kind of answer. Because Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way secretly, calling her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Oh, I got something to say to you, sir. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. If they only knew what she was getting ready to do, she was gonna go give Jesus a piece of her mind. But check this out, verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Let's stop right there. I don't for a second think that Mary was, was getting ready to, to give up being a Christian. I don't think she was ready to call it quits, but I do think she was at that place where she was deciding. And I've seen a lot of believers where they go through a life experience and it's like we don't have the answers and they just call it quits. And I believe Mary was at that place before she was getting ready to decide. And then she sees Jesus and really what it was, it wasn't that she was angry, she was just hurt. She was broken. And when she goes to Jesus, the brokenness, the hurt just all falls out. And she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man that opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? I wanna give you a spoiler alert. Jesus does bring Lazarus back from the dead. From the dead. But I really wanna pay attention to these last five verses, 32 through 37. Because I, I think, I don't know where this came from, I don't know where it started, but I think we have this expectation on who God is allowed to be in our life. And we've given God this title and, and we said, hey, I need you to hold this. I need you to stay true to this. And when I come to you and I have a serious situation, I need you to answer my request. And the title says, the God of our answered prayers. God, I need you to answer my prayers when I want them. God, I need you to answer my prayers how I want them. And I need you to do it bigger than what I even asked. And if anything, what this story shows is that's not even the case. But one thing I do believe is that God is not necessarily the God of our answered prayers. Hear my heart, I believe he can answer your prayers. But if anything, what I believe this story shows is that he is the God that's in our waiting. That he really is Emmanuel, God with us. Look at the last five verses. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the women that came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit. I believe that he felt their pain. I believe that he felt their brokenness. I believe that he really felt what they were feeling. And the thing about pain is if you allow it to, it will be your prison. It will be that thing that causes you to never step out, to never speak out, to never be the authentically real version of you that God created you to be. Why? Because there's a hurt going on in here. And I can't really be me if I'm hurting. I can't really show you who I am if I'm hurting. The thing about pain is if you allow it to, it will be your prison. I remember my, um, a time when I was about 15. I was going to be a freshman in high school, and this situation happens to my family. And it started out as, this, hey, this was going to be a good thing. And quickly, as the days and the weeks, as they passed by, it turned out to not be a good thing, and it actually became an issue. It became something that caused our family a lot of struggle. Um, I've watched my family struggle with this to this day. And I remember I would pray, and I would pray, and the days would go on, and the weeks would go on, and the months would go on, and it seemed like God wouldn't answer me. And then the years go on, and then I get to a place where I try to remind God of who I am, probably like 19 at this point. God, I've been to this many church services. 
God, I've, I've listened to that worship song when nobody told me to. God, I read the verse of the day. God, I, I've done so much for you. But God, when I asked you to heal my dad, it seemed like you didn't even want to. See, back in 2011, my, my dad had back surgery, and I, I don't want to take too much time, but he had two rods placed in his back, and they were supposed to straighten out his spine. But what they actually did was fuse to his nerves, and he's been in pain ever since. And I've watched him struggle with little things. I've watched him struggle with big things. I've watched my family struggle. I've seen this issue really cause a lot of pain in my family. And I got to a place where I was just bitter. I got to a place where I was just angry. I got to a place where I, I just kind of died inside. But I was still coming to church. Hey, hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly flavored. How you doing today? You know, you, you can speak that church talk to kind of cover up what you're feeling. And what I've learned and what I've grown in is that even though that's my dad, no matter how much I love him or how much he loves me, no matter how big that bond is or how strong that bond is, even though that's my dad, he belonged to God first. And I have to believe, I have to choose to trust that God has a plan. Trey, I, I hear you, but it, it just doesn't seem, it honestly does not seem like Jesus is present in my life right now. And see, the thing about that is we have this expectation on what Jesus is allowed to look like in our life. We, we think he's gonna come down on a cloud from heaven and, and do all of this like magical stuff and just fix everything instantly. But the thing about the expectation on what he looks like is you might just miss him when he's right in front of your face. Sometimes, where is he at, where is he at, where is he at? I don't see him. Sometimes he looks like Pastor Johnny willing to talk to you. I see you, yeah. Sometimes he looks like Pastor Johnny willing to talk to you when you're going through something. Sometimes he looks like a brother that takes you in when you really, really need it and does it again so you get to go to the high school that you want. Sometimes he doesn't look like what you think he looks like and that's when we miss it completely. And the thing about pain is if you allow it to, it will be your prison. Oh, but if you want it to, it can be your platform. It will be that thing that you can use, that God can use you to speak out to someone else that is going through the same thing as you. And maybe just one of you are going through something similar. And maybe you're actually meant to speak to thousands. And sometimes we get this platform thing confused that it's, this stage, this microphone, in this environment. No, your platform can be at your work. Your platform can be when you're getting coffee. Your platform can be when you're getting gas. Your platform can be whatever you choose it to be. And the thing is, if I can use what happened to me as a platform to speak out against what the enemy is trying to do in your all's lives, I'm with it. Let's do it. Let's go. Because the thing is, this is our lives and we get to make it what we want it to be. 
And I don't know about you all, but I don't want to be someone that's trapped in a prison. I don't want to be someone that's, that's kept in. I'm a big guy. I like to be spread out anyways. But the thing about pain is if you allow it to, it can be your platform. And I understand you may not want to do that thing. I understand you may not want to go to that place. And I understand that you may not want to talk to those people. And I want you to hear my heart because I love this. This is really cool. I'm super thankful and I'm super grateful for this opportunity. But it's not easy to get up on this stage and say, hey, yo, your miracle's coming when, when mine isn't even here yet. Hey, God is so good. God is worthy to be praised. But yet there, there's something in my life that, that has just not been fixed just yet. But even though I feel those feelings, even though I think those thoughts, I still have to choose in him. I still have to trust in him. I still have to believe in him. Amen. Amen, church. That is all I have for you. It wasn't going to be a long message, but I really do believe that it needed to be said because I think we all go through things and we all have this face that says, hey, yo, I'm, I got it together. Don't worry about it. But when we go home, we're struggling with something. And it's not always like a sin. It's just a question, God, why is this happening? And we have to realize that this is not what God intended. And it won't be until Jesus comes back a second time and that a new heaven and a new earth will be made and then we will get to live the life that God intended. Amen. If I could, I'd like to ask you all to stand and I'm just gonna pray over us. And if you want some personal prayer, I want to encourage you. Our prayer team is on the left and on the right. And sometimes we get this idea twisted that if the speaker doesn't pray for me, the anointing won't fall on me. And that's not true because whatever you've heard in me is in them. If we could just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for every person that came. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would remind every single person of how much they mean to you. God, I just pray that you would remind them how much you love them, how excited you get when you think about them. God, I know that you are with us, but sometimes we don't always feel it. Forgive us of that, God. But Lord, I just pray that in any way with our five senses, may we experience you in a new way. God, can we touch you? God, can we taste you? Can we see you? Can we smell you? And can we hear you, Lord? I just pray that you would begin to reveal yourself to your people in a new way. God, let them dream. God, let them hear your voice, open their ears, open their eyes. And with all of that, I give you all of the praise. I give you all of the glory. And it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.